Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. I want you, if you have your Bibles, to turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 32. 2 Chronicles chapter 32. I'm going to read one of my favorite stories in the Bible. If you're just tuning in now, thanks for joining me. Please share the broadcast. And uh, let's get the, the word out. Hey, Alma from Saskatchewan. God bless you. Shireen. My case is different. Listen to this. And these deeds of faithfulness, after these deeds of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah. He encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come, and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem. First thing that has to get said in your spirit today is, um, first of all, Sennacherib is a representation of the forces of hell. And when Sennacherib showed up against uh, Jerusalem and against Hezekiah, the Bible notes that his purpose was to make war. The devil, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, the devil is, a, a, is like a lion who prowls around the whole world seeking whom he may devour. The only deal that the devil wants to do with you is a deal that's definitely not in your favor to wipe you out. John 10, 10. T.L. Osborne used to call it the gospel in one voice. The thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life and life more abundantly. The Bible says Sennacherib lined up against the camp of Judah with one purpose and that was to destroy. That's why you're not, you can't play with the devil. You play with the devil long enough, you'll get burnt. The Bible says, can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burnt? Can he walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? That's why the wages of sin is death. Uh, Hebrews 11 says that Moses chose to endure the persecution with the people of God rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. That shows you that sin has a fleeting pleasure. It's pleasurable for a a season. I always say it like this. The devil lays out cookie crumbles, chocolate chip cookie crumbles, crumbles, cheesecake crumbles, and leads you down a path. And then at the end, when you get to the, to the, to, to the roadblock, you look up expecting to see a nice table set with a cheesecake or your favorite dessert on it. Instead, all there is is tofu. And nobody likes tofu. That's what the devil does. There's a fleeting pleasure. It's pleasurable for a season. But after that season, done it takes its toll on your body and it kills the purpose of the enemy in your life is not to lift you if he lifts you up it's only so that you fall harder that's why I'm here to encourage you today if you haven't done so already today is the day to get saved now is the day to drop hands with the with the powers of darkness and join hands with Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, who said, if you will listen unto me, Matthew chapter 7, if you will hear my words, if you will hear my words 
and forsake them, you'll be like a foolish man that builds his house on the sand. The winds come, the waves beat against that house, the storm comes, and great is its fall. But on the flip side, if you'll hear my words and believe in me and live for me and walk in my ways and keep to my statutes and obey my commandments, God's commandments are not to make life less um less fun for you. God's commandments are to give you true liberty. Jesus said, he that hears me and doeth what I say shall have freedom for the truth heeded shall set you free. And uh, Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 7, he that hears my commandments and doeth them, the same floods will try and wipe you out. The same rain will try and fall. The same storms will try and come against you. Jesus didn't preach a stormless life. Jesus didn't preach a life of uh, flowers and daisies where, daisies where you just walk through life unhindered, unchallenged. Challenges in life are scriptural and to be expected. But defeat is unscriptural for the child of God. Challenges in life may come. But defeat is not an option for the child of God. Because our case is different. Why is our case different? Our case is different because first and foremost, you are a royal priesthood. When God redeemed you, he redeemed you as a peculiar people. You're not the same that you used to be. You're not the same person you used to be. Stop identifying with your former nature. I talked about this on Tuesday. That you are now a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're not the old man you used to be. You're not the old alcoholic you used to be. You're not the recovering drug addict you used to be. You are a new creation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, that the old things have passed away and behold everything becomes new everything that leaves nothing out outside everything included has become new that means if i was a drug addict i'm no longer a drug addict i now have self-control over my body if i was an alcoholic i'm no longer an alcoholic i now drink of the new wine of the holy ghost if i was struggling with depression the bible says that he turns our mourning into dancing he turns our tears of sorrow into tears of joy he takes off the spirit of heaviness and in its stead he he clothes us with garlands of praise and righteousness i'm not what i used to be therefore i don't expect what i used to have to continue happening for me i expect new things coming my way not by might not by strength but because of the covenant that god has made with me that he said if you will heed my if you will indeed job 36 11 if you will obey and serve me you will spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. If you will obey and serve me, you will spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. God doesn't have, salvation wasn't a step down. Salvation was a step up. I am now a partaker of all of God's riches and glory because of the covenant that God made with me, which is sealed by his blood. My case is different. 
I might be in this world, but I am certainly not of this world. I have been born from above. John chapter 3 verse 30. That which is from above is above all things. That which is of the earth is earthly and speaks earthly. They still talk the same way they used to talk. They still expect the way the things sinners expect. I'm not a sinner anymore. I was a sinner. I've been saved by grace. I don't expect what sinners get. I expect only what God has prepared for me. And he said, I have planned for you. What? The Bible says very clearly that he has set a table before us with the menu being the word of God. You can order anything off this menu. And God, by his angels, will serve it to you. And in the midst of your enemies, God said, I have a table furnished for you. Remember the parable Jesus said in uh, the book of Luke. He said that there was a, a, a wedding feast. And he sent out his messengers to go and deliver the invitations. And he went to several houses. And in those houses, a lot of them rejected the invitation. I have a... I just bought a piece of land, so I don't have time to come. Another one rejected it and said, I just bought a new set of oxen. I have, I have to go test them out. I have no time to come. Another one said, I just got married. You know, not interested in kingdom things. Not, I'm not talking to people today that are lukewarm, apathetic, don't want anything to do with God. I'm talking. I know there's people watching me today that you've had trials and tribulation, and it seems like you've only been losing in life, but you've served God. You've, you, you've tried your best. You, you're cooperating with God. God's Holy Spirit but things still seem to be going downwards it's because you haven't changed your expectation in life your expectations are still lined up with your past life and that's why things still happen but I'm going to show you another a new realm that you belong to where in that realm you have been translated out of the dominion of darkness you have been transferred out of the the kingdom of Satan and transferred into a new kingdom a new dominion just like I as a Canadian I have access to the benefits of Canada's health system and Canada's school system and Canada's everything I, I'm a citizen of Canada when you were a citizen of darkness a citizen of this world you are you are subject and you succumbed to the benefit system of this world whatever the devil had lined up for you that was what life handed you that's why people say life hands us lemons but in the kingdom life doesn't hand me lemons life hands me blessings goodness and mercy because i'm born from above just like when you were part of the system of this world and under the control of the powers of darkness darkness seemed to prevail things always went wrong Things always went downwards. But when you joined up and hooked up with Christ's system, the Bible says you're now part, hallelujah. You're no longer a foreigner. You're no longer a stranger. You are now a citizen of heaven and a, a, a partaker of God's blessing on the earth. A citizen with the saint and a member of the household of God. The Bible says when you were not circumcised in your spirit, meaning when you were an unbeliever, when you... When you were not saved, the Bible says you were foreigners to the covenants of promise. You were outcasts to the promises of is that God had promised to Israel. And you were without God, without hope in this world. 
But the Bible says, you who were far off, hallelujah, that's the blessing of the gospel. You who were far off. It wasn't we did something to gain back our favor with God. It's that God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem us who were citizens of the earth, to regain our citizen, just like you can lose citizen in a nation, citizenship in a nation, and you can also regain citizenship in a nation. We had lost our citizenship in heaven, but through Christ, we who are far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ so that we who once were not the people of God are now the people of God. That's why Mary, when Jesus had resurrected and was about to ascend into heaven, Mary clung when he saw, when she saw him, clung to his feet and said, Master, don't leave me. Jesus said, don't cling to me just yet. I have not yet ascended unto my God and now unto your God. I have not yet ascended unto my Father and to your Father. God is not just Jesus is God and uh, Jesus is Father. God is now our Father. We have been brought back, redeemed back. The Bible says God has brought us back to the holy mountain, the mountain called Zion. We have come unto a heavenly Jerusalem. We have come unto the, uh, uh, the Bible says, unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God. And in God's city, in God's nation, we are now we have now access to new a new benefit system, a health system, a financial system that is filled with all of God's riches and glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My case is different. That's why I can say with absolute confidence. Uh, someone who doesn't know God might go through the same thing I went through. But while he falls, I'll be found standing at the end. Because Ephesians 6 says, we have the armor of God. We can shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We can arm ourselves with the, bless, the breastplate of righteousness. We can put on the helmet of salvation. We can take up the shield of faith with which we extinguish every fiery dart of the wicked one. And we have the, the sword of the Spirit with which, with which we can do war. The Bible says that have, having put on the full armor of God, the enemy's not going to stop. The enemy keeps trying to push. The Bible says that Paul experienced buffetings from the enemy, blow after blow. But the difference between Paul and everybody else is that the Bible says, God stood with me. Paul said in 1 Timothy, but the Lord stood with me and he strengthened me so that the message might be fully preached through me and he delivered me from the mouths of lions. There have been lions that have been barking, growling, and roaring your way. The Bible says the enemy is like a roaring lion. But the difference between you before you knew Christ and now that you know Christ is that the enemy had, he had influence over you. He had the ability to crush you. He had a, a dominion over you. But in Christ, Christ Jesus, we now have dominion over all of Satan's power, all of his unclean demons, all of his spirits, and everything that he would try and shoot your way. Because the Lord is now the dreaded champion who stands by you, and as such, your enemies will see him in you and shall flee. Let's, let's read on or else I'll never get to it. He consulted, so Hezekiah, gets uh, confronted by Sennacherib. Hezekiah consults with the leaders and commanders to stop the water 
from the springs which were outside the city and they helped him thus many people gathered together who stopped all the springs and the brooks that ran through the land saying why should the kings of assyria come and find much water and hezekiah strengthened himself that's what you're doing right now the word of god is that strengthening force that allows you to stand strong even in the day of battle. The Bible says in Proverbs 24 that if you fail in the day of adversity, it's because your strength is too small. And God's word is strength to our spirit. So that having done all, we're still standing at the end of it. That no matter what the end, there's no weapon that can be formed against you that ever succeeds in prospering because of the of the strength of the word of God in your heart and spoken out of your mouth. You know, do you ever wonder why God in all his power still allows the enemy to form weapons against you? You ever think of that? Why does he even allow the enemy to form a weapon? Why can't he just at the forefront of the enemy even having the thought, even drawing a blueprint to attack against your life? Why doesn't God just spoil it then? I'll tell you why. Because when you... I don't know if you've ever done this, but when you're writing a, 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 a report or you're writing some sort of like uh, email, a long email, or you were in school and writing your thesis papers or your, an essay, a long essay, and you're on page eight of, of 10 or whatever, you're almost done. You're, in, you're even in the groove right now. You finally caught a pace and you're writing and writing and writing and, and things are just flowing as you write. And then all of a sudden, there's an electrical uh, current that gets zapped and your computer shuts down and you were almost about to click save but before you can click save the computer shuts down and you didn't click save and you lost all of your document you lost your whole essay and your that that assignment was due the next morning and now you're at loss of words you get angry you're ready to ball up your fist and put your your hand right through the computer screen and uh, it seems like whatever sanctification God had produced in you suddenly went out the door because you're so angry because you lost your document. Let me tell you something. The God lets the enemy form a weapon because the enemy is limited in resources. The, the, de the devil is not unlimited in power. He's not unlimited in time. And he's not unlimited in resources. He has limited resources. So God lets him draw up a plan against you god lets him expend his resources on trying to wipe you out doing his best getting his cohorts getting whatever time energy he has garnered up to try and wipe you out that just at the last moment he pulls the plug right out of the wall and everything he had worked overtime to try and take you out with suddenly gets zapped out and destroyed God not only delights in, in destroying the enemy, God delights in frustrating the enemy every single day of the week. God not only delights in dismantling God, uh, the enemy's plans, God delights in frustrating the enemy so that every time, it seems like, you know, when you build like a Jenga tower and you're almost at the top or you have that last thing you have to pull out in uh, that game, what do they call it? Yats not Yahtzee. They have that last thing to pull out in that game. And that guy just goes, and all of a sudden, someone hits the table, and the tower just falls flat. That's exactly what the enemy does. The enemy, that's what exactly what God does against the enemy. The enemy has uses all of his time and resources to build this master plan to wipe you out. And just when he's starting to salivate and, and just go into you, 
God just hits the table and the tower comes falling flat. And you can see scripture after scripture. You can go from Genesis to Revelation. How the enemy had a plan for the people of God to wipe them out. But because God had his hand on his people. Because God's hand was on Ezra in Ezra's day. There were people that tried their hardest to try to prevent Ezra from constructing Jerusalem again. But even their best plans were not enough. The devil will try his hardest. But his hardest won't be enough to wipe you out. Because God's hand is on your life and as long as God has decided to build you up there's nothing that will allow it that that will uh, burn you down as long as God is committed to building you up there is nothing that the enemy can design that will burn you down that's Shadrach Meshach and Abednego's story God's hand was on their life they stood strong in a day of adversity the day when the whole nation of Israel had bowed their knee to the gods of that day Shadrach Meshach and Abednego refused to bow and as such God in that fiery furnace stood with them and a and a burning furnace was converted into into an air conditioning unit. Let me tell you, as hot as it seems right now, as burning as as the furnace might seem right now, the enemy might have even taken it from level one to level seven. Let me tell you, God's about to convert that burning furnace into an air conditioning unit that when you come out, you won't even smell like smoke. Your hair won't be singed. The only thing that would have burnt off you is the cords that held you down prior to that furnace in Jesus' mighty name, in the name of Jesus Christ. So he strengthened himself. Build up all the wall that was broken up and raise it up to the towers and built another wall outside. And he repaired the Milo in the city of David. Verse six. Hey, Isaiah. Verse six. He set military captains over the people, gathered them together to him in the open square. And verse seven says this. Hezekiah told the people. That's why I can't get around. Pe uh, preachers that, you know, they, they, they minister to their congregation you know, your congregation's already going through a rough time. A lot of people, you know, you have to think of it when you're preparing a sermon. That's how I prepare these sermons. That's why I get fired up when I preach. Because I'm thinking that there's people watching or will watch on the replay that you're a single mother uh, addicted to drugs and your kids are, you know, a mess as a result. And now you're trying to break free, but it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the, the anointing that lifts up the heavy burden. There's, there's a, a, a guy that's in a hospital, terminally ill. Doctors close the case on them. They're given over to death. They have an appointment with death that unless they hear the words of this life, nothing will change for them. That's why I don't get up and say, here are six keys to a better relationship with your loved ones. People don't need to hear that. It's actually... Uh, because of sermons like that being preached in America... You know, seven keys to forgiving your neighbor. Just forgive. It's one key. I forgive you. That's it. it. You don't need seven keys. And the pulpits are using all their time resources on getting out messages like that instead of the unadulterated, unperverted, unwavering gospel of Jesus Christ, which Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's like ministers are ashamed of just preaching the simple gospel. There's a minister in Africa. His name is Dag Heward Mills. And he... Uh, conduct some of the greatest the greatest crusades on planet earth like 500,000 600,000 people and like on a monthly basis 
And uh, they criticize him all the time because he preaches a simple message, a very simple gospel. And they criticize him saying, man, uh, Bishop Dag, why don't you just move on to something else? And he tells him almost arrogantly, and he should be, you bring me the pictures of your crusades which you, with your complex doctrine, and I'll bring you the pictures of my crusades with my, with my simple gospel. You bring me miracle testimonies of the people in your churches with your complex doctrine, and I'll bring you the miracle testimonies that are produced through this simple gospel that I preach. Paul came not with superiority of speech or of eloquent speech or man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit of God and of the power of God. Paul said the Word of God, the kingdom of God is not in word only, but it is in the demonstration of God's power. Paul said unto the Thessalonian church, when I came to you, I came not with just a word, but I came in the in what? I came in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that your faith would not rely on my wisdom but on God's power. This generation doesn't need another explanation of some theology. They need another demonstration of God's power at work on the earth. And when that happens, that's when you're going to see the, 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 the switch flipped on the devil and everything he has overturned. Because it's not that our generation doesn't have passion. It's not that the millennials are a lost people. It's that they haven't guided and directed that passion towards their heavenly purpose and assignment. But when that happens, you're going to see the greatest revival that the earth has ever experienced. We're on the brink of that. That's why the devil's riling up. He's trying to roar. He's raging because he knows that the church is rising. And when the church is rising, his day is over. Be strong and of good courage. That's why I say I, I don't get up and preach. How many of you know, you know, life is difficult and it only gets harder from here. Let's close in a board of prayer. You know, I read a tweet of a, a preacher in America and it's uh, his quote saying, you want to know how bad you are? You're so bad that when you die, the, the creation itself will finally applaud God and, in, uh, and, and praise God for ridding the earth of your presence. You know, th that's exactly what your, what your church needs to hear. How bad you are, how terrible you are. How When you were not in Christ, you were bad. When you were not in Christ, you were dead in your sins. You were the evil, scum, depraved being of the earth. But when you came to Christ, it's no longer I who lives. Christ now lives in me. And what you say about yourself, you say about Christ because Christ lives in you. So you got to watch out what you say. So you have a generation of people that have been preached to that they're awful people, they're vile human beings, they should expect the worst because God's angry at them, and no wonder you've repelled people from ever wanting to serve God. You know, th this coronavirus is definitely God angry at them. God's wrath has not been poured out on the earth yet. We are in the day of God's favor. This is not the judgment of God. This is the attack of the devil to try and suppress the move of God that's already starting to happen on earth this is the uh, this is an attack of hell this is not God's judgment this is not God's wrath the Bible says there will be a day where God's wrath and his vials of wrath will be poured out on the earth but that day has not yet come we're still in a day where God has allotted a space of time for the church to get moving and save such heal the sick raise the dead cleanse the leopard cast out devils 
And until the church is taken away, God's wrath, just like God had to send angels to take Lot out of Sodom before he poured out wrath onto Sodom, before the fire came and fell and destroyed Sodom. God will not destroy the righteous along with the wicked. That's not the way. God makes a distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Malachi chapter 3 and 4. The Bible says, Then a book of remembrance was written for those who serve God and always think on His name. And God said, I will spare those people, the ones that love God, the ones that are chasing after His purpose. I will spare them as a man spares an obedient and dutiful child. And I will make a distinction on the earth so that you will be able to discern between those who serve me and those who don't serve me. Then Malachi 4.1 starts off like this. The days are coming, burning like an oven, in which all who do wickedly will burn as chaff. But unto you who fear my name, I want you to say that where you're at. That's me. Unto you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Hallelujah. God makes a difference. God separates the wheat from the tares. That's what you see in Acts chapter 28. When Paul goes to Malta and he's making a fire. Just gets off a boat that had been shipwrecked. Starts making a fire. And there's a bunch of natives on the island. And as he's making the fire, a, 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 a snake jumps out of the fire and fastens onto his hands. And the locals of that island begin to look at Paul, expecting him to die. And the Bible says they waited a long while waiting for him to be destroyed. But they waited in vain because God made a distinction between Paul and regular human beings. As a citizen of heaven, there's a difference. <laughs> there should be, look, if we say he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals us, then your life should be different and look different from someone who doesn't have a healer. If you claim to know Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides for us, your life should be different and look different from those who don't have a provider. If I say, I have Jehovah Shammah, the God who's always present with me, then my life should be different, drastically different from someone who doesn't have God alongside him. If I say that he's the Prince of Peace in my life, then my life should look drastically different from someone who doesn't have the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. If I say I'm a new creature, a new species, a new type of being, then my life should look drastically different from someone who's still part of the Adamic nature, still part of the old way, the old system, still has the blood of Adam running through his system. I have the blood of Christ running through my system and my life, I refuse to let my life look the same way it looked like before I got saved. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed because of the king of Assyria nor, be, be, nor before all the multitude that is with them. For there are more with us than there are with them. With him is the arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God who helps us fight our battles. 
If there's a God who said, if God before you, who can be against you? If I have a God who said, stand still and see the salvation of God. If I have a God who said, you will not need fight this battle. The Egyptians that you see today, you will see no more. If that's the God who I claim to serve exists, then my life should not look like someone's who has no God fighting for them, who doesn't have the arm of God fighting for them. With them is the arm of flesh. With them is satanic power, which is limited. But with us is divine power, which is unlimited in scope. And let me tell you, that power doesn't just live in the air. Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly all that you can ask, think, or imagine according to his power, which is at work in you. That power is not some mystical thing dwelling in the air. It's not some higher power that we have to appeal to. No. The Bible says the word is near thee, even in thy heart and in thy mouth. God lives in me. Philippians 2.11. It is God who is at work in you and through you doing about his own good work. With him is the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God. If you're just tuning in right now, I'd encourage you to share this broadcast and share it as many times as you can. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. That's why you're listening now. That's why a lot of you keep tuning in every Tuesday and Thursday, religiously. Because every time I speak, I don't come out to discourage you. People get enough discouragement in this world. People don't need someone else when they get to church to discourage them and flatten them even further. They get enough bad reports from the from their doctors. They get enough bad reports from their accountants. They get enough bad reports from their su- cousins and their family members and their friends and whatnot. They, people don't tune in and they don't go to church to hear another bad report. And I've not been tasked to preach a bad report. The word evangelist literally means a bringer of good news. And I have good news for you today. No matter the attack against your life, no matter the problems that are about to hit this world, the reason why I'm preaching this right now, covenant exemption, that your case will be different, is because in the coming months, I believe there's going to be some wicked stuff that transpire on planet Earth. I believe there's going to be an onslaught of wickedness that attempts to seize and cripple the people of God. But if, if you'll talk... If you'll start to line up your expectation with the word of God, if you'll start to say, like I'm, I'm titled this broadcast, that my case is different, then you'll see that no matter the trial and tribulation that surrounds you, no matter a thousand die to your left and 10,000 to your right, it will be minus you. Because today you're choosing life. And in choosing life, life eternal, life with Jesus, there's things that come with Jesus. Jesus has an entourage. Just like when you see a celebrity walking through, they have an entourage. They have people around them. They have a security guy. They have a guy that holds their, their wallet. They have a guy that holds their that drives their car. Well, in the same vein, God has an entourage. And with God's presence comes healing power. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost on that one. With God's presence comes healing power. With God's presence comes peace that surpasses all understanding. With God's presence comes a joy that is unexpressible and full of glory it's a joy that the world didn't give you and it's a joy that the world can't take from you with God's presence comes provision that no matter the economic crisis that comes on this earth you will laugh at famine you will laugh at destruction for it 
shall not come near thee. For Isaiah 54, 14 stands true. In righteousness you will be established. You will be far from terror and from oppression. It shall not come near thee. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. They that have it shall abide in satisfaction. They will never be visited by evil. The Bible says when the whirlwind passes by, the wicked are no more. They get washed out. They get drowned by the waters of this world. But the Bible goes on to say, but the righteous have an everlasting foundation because God is my God. He said, if you'll keep me ever before me, if you'll keep me at your right hand, you will never be moved. For those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. They shall never be moved. They abide forever. They shall never stumble. Great peace have they that love my law and nothing shall be shall cause them to stumble. The Bible says if you'll give all diligence and add to your faith virtue, add to your, ver your virtue knowledge, add to knowledge self-control, if you'll give it all in your relationship with God, God said if you do these things, you will never stumble. There's a stumble-free, hindrance-free, thorn-free area and realm in life. There's a highway for you to travel on. The Bible calls it the highway of holiness, that when you start to travel on that, sighing and sorrow flees away everlasting joy gladness blessing prosperity healing hope and goodness follow you hallelujah hallelujah my case is different i'm not like the world i might live in this world but i've been born from above God's spirit lives in me. I might look human, but I ain't human. I'm a new creature. I have new DNA. I have a new blood that flows through my stream. I've received a blood transfusion. I've been delivered from the wickedness of this world. And I've been ushered in. To the glorious liberty of the children of God. After this, Sennacherib, king of Assyria. So you're getting strengthened right now by the words of God. But listen to this. The enemy doesn't give up. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, which represents the devil, sent his servants to Jerusalem. His demons to Jerusalem. And he and all the forces with him laid siege against Lashish to King Hezekiah, king of Judah, and to all Judah who were in Jerusalem, saying, Thus says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, The devil will mouth off, but he can talk all he wants. He can speak all he wants. Just like Goliath mouthed off for 40 days, and when the anointing came on David, it was one pebble knocked his head off, and then he cut his head off with the sword that, that Goliath had. His own sword chopped his own head off. The devil can mouth off all he wants. He can speak up. All th that's all he has. He's like a roaring lion. But he's really just a mouse with a microphone. He speaks. He tries to deceive. He tries to intimidate. The only power the enemy has is intimidation powers. To try and feel, make you feel like you're closed in. To make you feel like the world's crushing you. To make you feel like there's no way out. But my God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. And with the temptation will provide a way of escape. He's a way maker. 
He's a promise keeper. He's light in the darkness. That is who my God is. The Bible says that Sennacherib said the following words. Uh, listen to this. In what do you trust that you're still remaining in Jerusalem under siege? Another translation says, in what, what confidence is this in which you trust? Why are you still confident? Why are you still holding on to the hope that is in you? Why are you still confessing the word of God? Why are you, it seems like when you started confessing the word, things started to even decline and the victory looks even further. The enemy will keep whispering that in your ear. Seems like ever since you started confessing healing over your body, it seems like the pain's only intensified. If you'll do what they did and ignore the word of the devil and in no way be terrified by his intimidation, the Bible says it'll be to him a sign of his destruction, but to you of your elevation. The Bible says, all the kings of the earth, the rulers, take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed. But he that sits in the heavens laughs. Some of you haven't laughed in faith in a long time. Sometimes you got to laugh in faith. What do I mean by that? If God sits in the heavens and he laughs, then I'm going to join him in the heavenly places and start belly laughing over the enemy's plans against me. Start to laugh at the thought when the devil tries to put a thought in your mind saying your children will never be saved. Ha, 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 ha. That's as funny as, as you saying I'm a man and I'll get pregnant. Start to laugh in the face of opposition. The Bible says you will laugh at destruction and at famine. Learn to laugh. Learn to laugh in faith. Learn to, to join God in mocking Satan. That's what Elijah did. On Mount Carmel, the prophets of Baal fashioned their altar, put their oxen on it, and they start to cry out to their God. God their God, Baal, didn't answer one bit. Then they start to cut their wrists with stones, giving him a blood offering, and shout even louder. What was Elijah doing on the sideline? He was mocking them. Perhaps, I love the King James, it says, perhaps your God is taking a leak somewhere. Perhaps your God is, is gone on a bathroom break and he's not listening to you. That's a holy boldness that come, came upon Elijah. Where he didn't, he didn't sit in a corner. Father, we just bind those demon spirits. We, we call those things not, uh, we call those things down. We, we release heavenly angels to go to war against. He wasn't doing that. He was mocking. Maybe your God is on a sleep, uh, is on a nap right now. And you should wake him up. Scream a little louder. Perhaps he's gone on a journey and he'll be back soon. We'll wait. We'll wait. Just an arrogant mocking tone. Learn to mock the enemy. Your children will never be saved. <laughs> As for me and my, the Bible says very clearly, you and your household will be saved. You can laugh because you have a backbone of the word keeping you to stand straight. You'll never get married. Really? He that finds a wife finds a good thing. And the Bible says, no good thing will God withhold from them that walk uprightly. I walk uprightly. God said, no good thing will, we, will he withhold. And he that finds a spouse finds a good thing. I'm going to get married. And anything that says opposite to that is just a laugh, laughable content. In what confidence is this with in which you trust? 
Does not Hezekiah persuade you to give yourselves over to die by famine and by thirst, saying, The Lord our God will deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria? Has not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars, commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, You shall worship and before one altar and burn incense on it? Do you not know? Listen to this. Don't you know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of the others of the other lands? Were their gods of those nations in any way able to deliver their lands out of my hand? What is he saying? It's the equivalent of today. You believe God for healing, and then all of a sudden you get thoughts. Well, remember Aunt Sue? She she believed God for healing, and you know she died. What about cousin Tom? You know he 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 was so faithful. The devil will always try and direct your attention toward negative testimonies, towards things that didn't pan out right, towards things that contradict the testimonies of the word. But my Bible says, by faith the elders obtained a good report. God's report isn't a bad report. So the enemy tries to direct you towards bad reports to set your expectation that way. But if you'll keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, start listening to good reports. That's what I do. I don't, I don't take every testimony that, you know, there's a lot of people who like to testify in church and they just, it's, it's really not a testimony. It's just a, a, a venting session of how bad things have been and, and that they're still holding on. That's not a testimony. You know what's a testimony? I'll tell you what a testimony. Peter's in prison, stationed between two sets of garrison and guards, and he's scheduled for execution in the morning, but the church prayed earnestly for his deliverance, and God sent an angel to deliver him. You know what happened to James? Acts chapter 12, verse 1. And James was beheaded by King Herod because King Herod had stretched forth his hand to harass some from the church and they beheaded James by the sword. But Peter set himself and the church set themselves to not have the same report James had. We didn't pray when James when James was alive for him to be delivered. We just left things in God's hands. Well, you leave things... <laughs> That's such a scapegoat. We're just leaving it in God's hands. That's not what the Bible says you're to do. The church prayed, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you know not of. The church prayed earnestly for Peter. And Peter's case was different as a result. And I tell you today, as you begin to beseech and engage the God of heaven, like they did in this story, you, Things might have gone wrong for people around you, but you don't dwell in the same shelter that they dwelt in. Their shelter was, from, uh, was, was, was weak. Their shelter was not founded on the word of God, but our shelter stands on the word of God. And he said, if you'll dwell under the shelter of the most high God, that all these evils that you see going on around you, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near thy tent. For you have made the Lord your God your refuge, God is still a refuge and a strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And he said, if you'll just hide yourself under my presence, if you'll be hidden with Christ in God, God will protect you from the calamities that are about to hit this earth. The things might be going... The days are burning, burning like an oven. Things are getting hotter. Things are getting worse. And I'm telling you, leading up to the, this election, you're going to see things get even worse. But as for you, your case will be different. Your story will be different because you don't look like everybody else and your life won't turn out like everybody else. Were the gods of those nations able to deliver them? What God is there that, that's been able... 
All of their gods have eyes, but they cannot see. All of their gods, they had ears, but they couldn't hear. All of their gods, they had feet, but they could not come to their rescue. All of their gods have noses, but they couldn't even smell the problem. But our God is not an idol. Our God is the one true living God, Jesus Christ in Revelation 1. I am he who was dead, but behold, I live, and I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Our God died, but he didn't stayed dead he rose triumphantly over the grave over death over sin over the over the devil and he reigns supreme he's the preeminent one he's the one whose eyes are as a flame of fire whose hair is white as wool whose feet are like the furnace burning his his feet are like bronze burning in a furnace his, out of his mouth proceeded a double-edged sword our God has eyes to see he has ears to hear he has a hand that's still mighty to save that's able to pluck you out even out of the worst situation today and lift you up out of the ash heap lift you up out of the dunghill and seat you amongst the princes of his people I tell you if you'll call on that God today there's nothing the devil's done to you or your family or your children or your business or your house that God won't do something about right now because our case is different because our God is different we don't serve an idol we don't serve a dead God we don't serve a God who's like a roaring lion he is the lion of the tribe of Judah and he fights your battles so I tell you ahead of time rejoice for he has given you the victory you shall emerge triumphant you will never lose another battle in life you might go through a night of battle but you ain't gonna lose it for as for you the power of God on the inside of you he's gonna lead you into victory he's gonna to lead you into being more than a conqueror you know what it means to be more than a conqueror a conqueror is someone who goes out to fight the battle you, the king goes out to fight the battle the, the soldiers go out to fight the battle but you know what happens when that soldier gets back and he gets presented a check or a free a gold medal or whatever they get a nice bonus check in there uh, because they you know they they did some significant thing and then he takes that check and he hands it to his wife and his wife goes cashes it in and buys herself a new Prada purse. The soldier was the conqueror. He had to fight. He had to sweat. He had to go to battle. He had to bleed. But you know who's more than a conqueror? The little uh, 110 pound little girl wife that took the check and cashed it in and bought herself a new set of boots. That's who's more than a conqueror. Jesus went to war for you. He bled the blood you should have bled. He took the nails in his hands you should have took. He was our substitute. He died the death you should have died. He went to hell when you should have been in hell we were all gone astray forsaken God together become corrupt but God laid his wrath on Jesus so that you can experience his blessing day after day Jesus was the conqueror we're now more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who gives us strength hallelujah were the gods of those nations ever able to deliver their lands out of my hand who was there among all the gods of those nations that my father's Every, the Bible says, let every testimony and, and man be a liar, but God's word be true. Doesn't matter what happened to the person you thought was the most uh, faithful Christian that you've ever met, but they ended up dying or whatever. Doesn't matter what happened to them. God, you know, they're in heaven. God bless them. But my, I don't dictate. My faith isn't lined up with other testimonies. Don't lower your theology to match people's testimonies. 
Let the testimonies of Scripture be the litmus, whether you accept something or reject something. David said, Thy testimonies I have taken as my heritage and inheritance forever. Thy testimonies. But this guy was a prophet. In the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 4, there was a prophet, a son of the prophet, who died prematurely, and he ended up being uh, having so much debt that the creditors were coming to take away his two sons and his wife to make them slaves. Am I going to make that my testimony? Like we, you know, that happened to him, so we should also live in debt. Judas hung himself. Should I make that my testimony as an okay to hang yourself? You can take scripture and twist it whatever way you want to suit your own mess. But I'd rather take his testimonies, which lead to triumph. Thanks be unto God, who always leads us to triumph through faith in Jesus Christ. And through us diffuses the victory to others, so others can partake of that same victory. No matter what happened, to, forget those things. Drop, if it doesn't line up with this book, then it, it's not settling in my heart. I guard my heart above all things. I stand on guard for my heart. I cast down every imagination, every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I cast it down. The wisdom of this world has come to naught. The wisdom of the rulers of this world, I don't, the rulers of this world, you know what that says? The experts, the analysts. You know what this whole COVID thing can reveal to you? That the experts don't know what they're talking about. One month you should wear a mask, the next month you shouldn't wear a mask. One month masks are better for you, the next month masks are actually killing you and giving you gingivitis. The people don't know what they're talking about. One day the, the coronavirus... Doesn't spread on objects, now it spreads on objects. The next week, the coronavirus doesn't spread on metal objects, now it spreads on metal objects. They don't know what they're talking about. There, there might not be any cure for this thing in the natural, but let me tell you, if you'll set yourself in the word of God, he said, my word will be life to your flesh and health to all your bones. That there's a health package in this book. That even, you know, COVID is just like the baby pandemic. I guarantee you that in the next 10 years, they already have things set up. There, there will be more epidemics. There will be more disease outbreaks. There will be more virus outbreaks leading up to Jesus' return. That's not me. That's not conspiracy. That's Jesus said that as you see the day of the Lord approaching, it'll be like birth pains on a woman, on a pregnant woman. Like contractions. The well, first contraction was mild. Then the contractions get heavier, and they're not as spaced out in time. They started out every five minutes, now they're every two minutes, then they're every, then leading up to birth, they're every ten seconds, and they're hard, painful contractions. That's what Jesus said will come on the earth as you see the day of the Lord approaching. And the devil has come down to this earth having great wrath. However, the Bible says very clearly that though he might have great wrath, we are, we are citizens in heaven, of heaven and we are to rejoice because God has another plan for his church in the end times. Isaiah 2 says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord will be exalted far above the mountains of the earth. And the hills of the Lord shall be exalted far above the hills of the earth. And that, that tells you that the church in the last days, be, we're gonna, we are going to have our glory days on earth where there will be a great distinction 
Like I read before, you know, in the book of Exodus, every time God said there was going to be a plague that came on Egypt, he said, but not a dog, not a mouth of a dog or a dog will bark its mouth against any of the children of Israel. That you may know that the Lord doth make a difference between Egypt and between Israel. That you may know that the Lord doth make a difference. When there was light in Goshen, there was darkness in Egypt, which was a type of the world. But where the children of God dwelt, there was light. That means Isaiah 60, darkness will come on the earth. Deep darkness will increase in the last days. But it says unto you, arise and shine and your light will show. You know where light shines best? When there's great darkness. And though the Bible says sin will abound as we see the day of the Lord approach, where sin abounds, that much more, the grace and power were that much more abound. The Bible says of Samson, Samson forfeited his anointing, which is a type of the church that we try to do things in our programs. We, th we try to do things with flashing lights and, 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 and cute productions. And we forfeited the anointing. Our most conferences, church conferences these days, church growth conferences, they're all about how to grow your church in 10 steps. How, it's all about, sin. they should rename them. Since we abandoned the Holy Spirit, here are other ways you can draw people to your church. And Samson cut off his hair. And as a result, the strength was zapped from his body. But do you remember when he was, his eyes had been gouged and he was before the Philistine camp? And there were two pillars by him and he cried out to God, Lord, give me one more victory before I go. And the Spirit of God came on Samson and he pulled down the pillars and they fell down flat. And in his death, Samson had killed more Philistines than in his life. That's a picture of the church. That the glory days of the church are not the book of Acts. The book of Acts was a blueprint that we, the end time church, are going to build off of. Where just like in the book of Acts, there was a distinction. They didn't have to ask, are you a Christian, to Peter, as his shadow fell on those that were sick and restored them. They, the, the natives didn't have to ask Paul when a snake had fastened on his hand and he shook it off and the snake ended up going into the fire and they waited for him to die because it was a venomous, poisonous snake that obviously the locals of that island knew that that was like a, they call it a 10-step snake. Because when they, when they bite you, you got 10 steps before you fall and die. And they waited. And after they waited a long while, they confessed, this man must be a God on the earth. And Paul said, I'm not a God, but God lives in me. And greater is he that lives in me than he that's in the world. There was a distinction there. Paul didn't have to take out a PowerPoint presentation with a laser pointer and say, Here's some, here are some examples. Here are some things uh, about me and about Christianity that uh, I believe will attest to its validity. You know, that the authenticity of the gospel, uh, I believe if you'll just pay heed, take heed to these facts, you know, Jesus really did raise from the dead. They, they didn't have to reason or persuade them in a natural way. God gave gifts to men. God gave gifts, of, gifts to men called the tools and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The working of miracles, the gifts of healing. Jesus said, as you go. You'll be different. Why? Because as you believe in my name, you'll be the one casting out devils. Not devils coming into your house. Casting out devils. Not only is there no room in this house for a devil, everywhere I go, I radiate and beam light. Now just like Paul, when he got by that fire, the snake couldn't stand the heat of that fire. That fire lives in me. 
And demons can't stand the heat of the fire of God in me. And the same fire that draws them out is the same fire that destroys them. They didn't, you didn't have to persuade anyone. There was a distinction. Bible says when at the gate called the beautiful, Peter and John passed by, and there's a man there sitting lame from his mother's womb. And they said, silver and gold we don't have. Meaning we don't have enough money in the world to cure you of paralysis, but such as we do have, give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. They took them up, took him up by the right, right hand, and immediately his anchor bones, feet were strengthened, and he was walking, leaping, and praising God. And the people immediately gathered together when they saw the lame man clinging to Peter and John. And they said, and Peter and John said, why look on us as though we were gods? We're not gods, but the Holy Spirit in us and the name of Jesus on our tongues doth make a difference between us and normal human beings. You finish the story here. He tried to intimidate all he wanted and it ended up being what, this is what ended up happening. Second Chronicles 32, 20. Now because of this, King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah prayed and cried out to heaven. And the Lord sent an angel who cut down every mighty man of valor. Leader, hallelujah, one angel cut down every mighty man of valor. Leader and captain in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned, the one who was mouthing off, returned shamefaced to his own, his own land. And when he got into the temple of his God, some of his own offspring struck him down with the sword and killed him. My case is different because my God is different. The Bible says of Hezekiah, just after this story, prophet Isaiah came up to him and said, you're going to die. Get your house in order. Hezekiah said to the Lord, my case is different. I've been faithful in serving you. I've been faithful in, 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 in faithfully serving you. And he cried out to the God of heaven. And God spun Isaiah on his feet and had him return back into the king's court and say, because you cried out to me, I've added 15 more years. And not only that, I'm going to give you supernatural peace and rest in all of your kingdom. And the Bible says that he had rest all the rest of his life. He had peace. He didn't have to fight another battle. Can you say amen? My case is different. I mean, you can go through scripture after scripture. Esther, Haman mouths off against the Jews, tries to get them all executed, a genocide in that day. God calls Esther, for she was born for such a time as this. She rises up. Her and Mordecai, two people, fast and pray and go before the king. And because of the hand of God on Esther's life, the king granted her all her requests. And Haman had actually built a guillotine to chop off the head of every Jewish person. And the same weapon that he formed to destroy the Jewish people was used against him to chop off his own head. And the parade that he had organized and orchestrated for him to walk in ended up being Esther and Mordecai, the ones that were being paraded into, in, into, uh, into the land, into the city square. Hallelujah. You're like, you were not created to be pitied. You were created to be envied. And that'll be your story from today onward. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you're not saved. You need to get saved. The Bible says 
that a man is saved by belief in his heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and through confession of his mouth that Jesus is Lord of their life. For with the heart man believes and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And the good news is, is God does not make a distinction between Jew or Greek, but or, or between anybody. It doesn't matter if you're a man, a woman, doesn't matter if you're black, white, red, yellow, doesn't matter what you are. Doesn't matter if you're uh doesn't matter if you you're on parole for murder right now and you're watching this in your prison cell. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter who you are. The Bible says we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Howbeit the free gift of God is life eternal, life eternal. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is life eternal through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no man can get to God. There's not a thousand ways to God. How many of you know, you know, there's different paths to the same heaven? No, there's not. That's the devil's ploy to get a whole generation bound and on their way to hell. There's one path to heaven. And it's through Jesus. He said, I am the true gate. Anybody that enters in another way is a thief and a robber and they'll be cast out. I am the true gate. He that enters in by me will find rest. Jesus said, come unto me all ye that are weary and heavy laden. You've been burdened down by the weight of sin. God's not angry at you. God's not waiting to strike you down. God has a plan to build you up. And he said, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke on you. It's easy. Take my burden. It's light. And you'll have delight and rest for your souls. If that's you and you want to make a decision today to make heaven your home, to make God your father, to make Jesus your savior, to accept that free gift, to be freed once and for all from the peril of sin and destruction and to enter in to God's path for your life. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say this, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in my heart you raised Jesus from the dead and I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord I turn away from my own life to accept your life forgive me of my sin cleanse me wash me let old things be done away with and everything become new fill me with your Holy Spirit and where I was weak, make me strong. Turn my life around. In Jesus' name. God is now my Father. Heaven is now my home. And I'll never turn back. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to go on our website, salvationnow.ca. And the first link that pops up is I just got saved. I'd love for you to fill up that form. Send it to me. I want to get something to you free of charge, uh, some resources, a Bible, just a package that we have for everyone that gets saved on this broadcast and in our travels. I want to get it to you free of charge. We pay shipping. We pay handling. We'll not ask you for anything. We'll never ask you for money. We're not going to, that's just not how we roll. So if you can do that, salvationnow.ca, the first link that pops up is I just got saved. Fill it up and get that to me. And uh, I'd love to send something to you as a way of welcoming you into the family of God. Number two. If you're here today and you're sick in your body, I want to pray for you. And uh, we're going to believe God the same way Hezekiah declared his case was different. We're going to believe God right now. Not for healing, 
but that the effect of the cross will run its course through your body and every sickness and disease that has held you down every demon of infirmity of weakness of frailty of 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 agent of hell that tries to cut your life short that doctors don't even know what's going on with your body that you've even been a, a dilemma to the medical field they don't even know what's going on that's a devil making you feel that way and the bible says there's still an anointing that can destroy every yoke of captivity so in the mighty name of jesus christ father i release that anointing now into the lives of your precious people watching right now even those that are standing in the gap for a loved one or a friend and a relative in the name of jesus christ i pray those that are, that have flesh problems flesh disorders flesh eating disorders eczema dry, even up to dryness of skins light and heavy problems in the name of jesus christ your flesh shall be restored now like that of a child's in the name of jesus those that have blood pressure problems heart problems cardiovascular problems lung breathing problems get out of breath just taking a few steps in the name of jesus christ i curse that from the root it gets extracted from your system and the blood of jesus gets transfused through you and the life of a thing is in its blood as that blood comes through your body the life of christ takes full control over your health and what's not present in christ's body we are members of his flesh of his bones and of his body what's not present in the body of jesus christ can no longer find its place in your body from this day forward you are free in the name of jesus christ now lift your hands wherever you're at and start to thank god stay connected with us by visiting us on twitter instagram or facebook by searching at tj maokanji or visit us online www.salvationnow.ca god bless you and until next time